Hello listeners, welcome to Itihasa, an Indic history podcast and you're listening to episode 31 of the season Vijayanagara. So as you can see, I'm publishing this episode almost 4 to 5 days late. And my apologies to all those listeners who were eagerly waiting for it. I've been busy with my kids and other important things that I had to attend to. In short, life happened. So now that's out of the way, let's resume our journey into Vijayanagara once again. In the last episode, we looked at a very interesting and powerful motif of Gandabherunda that was widely used by Vijayanagara royalty and later rulers of the Nayaka period. We explored in depth its 500 plus year old legacy in the context of Vijayanagara and the Nayaka kings. In this episode, we shall explore the coinage and currency of Vijayanagara. We will try to understand how mundane things like coins were used as tools of royal propaganda and power. Inscriptions and foreign traveler accounts are invaluable sources for the study of Vijayanagara coinage. There are a number of references to names of coins such as Panam, Gaddiana, Varaha, Pons and etc. in these inscriptions besides these inscriptions the accounts left by the foreign chroniclers like pais nunis barbosa abdur razak farishta are very helpful to have a glimpse of the monetary system which was in vogue in the empire during that period most of the time the names of the coins appear in inscriptions referring to the taxes As part of the research for this episode I've referred to two main sources. Primary source is a fantastic paper on this topic by Barbara Meers in the book South India under Vijayanagara first published in 2011. The other source is the catalog of Vijayanagara coins in the Madras Government Museum published in 1994 by N Shankar Narayana. Vijayanagara was one of the first south indian empires that realized the potential of coins in furthering its influence in the form of soft power on the minds of its subjects and enemies alike the inception of the empire in the mid 14th century is surrounded by myth and legend and even today the subject is of much controversy and debate If listeners remember I delved into a lot of these aspects in the foundation series. For those who haven't checked out the foundation series yet, I would highly recommend it for much better context and detailed backstory. I've included the link to the series in the episode show notes. If you remember the charismatic Sangama brothers from the foundation series, the founders of the empire and the ones who started the first royal dynasty of Vijayanagara as per historians had few if any regional traditions of their own and understandably no conception of the final extent and longevity of their new foundation and this establishment of the nascent empire made necessary the creation of a reputation for invincibility and a fortified base with religious associations such as hampi with its links to the ramayana epic and the advaita shaiva matha at shringeri 
not to forget the maintenance of a lucrative trade center was equally vital hence a carefully chosen coinage system could prove invaluable for the promotion of these various aims one of the remarkable contributions of the vijayanagar empire was the great improvement in the currency system across south india a currency matrix was adopted throughout the empire and a uniform weight standard of the pagoda and varaha was introduced the shape and metallic values of the different coins were fixed and the coinage in general was subdivided into several denominations symbols on coins remain a testament to the concept that an issuing authority wished to project about itself throughout the area in which its coins were destined to circulate however the choice was limited by the constraints of what traders would accept as valid currency as i had mentioned earlier many times the vijayanagar period has often been divided into three parts a rapid expansion into the south marked by loose or patchy control a resurgence and golden age of dominance under the tulva dynasty involving the installation of nayakas to govern the regions and beginning of gradual decline following the sack of hampi after battle of talikota and finally the nayaka era where the vassals moved towards independence and autonomy and not surprisingly this demarcation between the various eras makes its appearance in the coins issued under the authority of vijayanagara rulers and this really adds to our understanding of each age starting from ancient india indian subcontinent had seen silver and copper coinage for most of its history while india was no stranger to gold coinage the gold coinage was far inferior in its mint quality when compared to the contemporary roman empire with which india had a rich history of trade and commerce despite the influx of new world silver from the 16th century onwards south india's currency remained stubbornly bimetallic although vijayanagara inherited a local currency of tiny silver coins called taras by the time of shri krishna devaraya even these had been replaced by a range of large copper coins corresponding in size and weight to the copper gani and its 2/3 half 1/3 denominations struck by the bahmani sultans the largest gold coin was the varaha or hun also referred to as pagoda interestingly although this denomination had been issued by preceding dynasties to various local standards under vijayanagara its weight was standardized to just below 3.5 grams consistent with that of other international bullion coins such as the venetian ducat the ashrafis of the mamluks and safavids and the ottomani sultani all of which appeared regularly in trade on the west coast of the empire the coastal trade also supported a range of baser gold coins called fanams that were approximately a one tenth of the weight of a varaha the european traveler caesar frederick 
discovered during his travels between Vijayanagara and Goa in 1567 CE that the copper coins circulated within a limited area and could be struck by lesser ruler and vassals of Vijayanagara for use in local markets whereas gold coins or varahas could only be issued by royal authority in Hampi and even funams could be issued by only the royals in Hampi in light of this crucial difference and exclusive right held by the emperor the motifs found on gold coins signal royal intent more directly while those on copper coins were filtered derivatives that were in tune with local conceptions of the vijayanagara empire's power structure vijayanagara's first 100 years saw a rapid expansion of territory but at first glance the sangama dynasty would appear to have made few changes to the coinage in use especially in peripheral areas of the nascent empire prior to 1350 ce the most favored numismatic design in the south had been the dynastic symbol or an emblem that had long acted as a metaphor for a particular area and this remained very much the case established and long accepted lanchanas lanchanas means national emblems in sanskrit so lanchanas like a bull in north tamil nadu an elephant further south the two fish favored by the pandya dynasty and alupa dynasty of udipi and the lion of the saluvas of jarsappa or the warrior slaying a lion of hoysala continued to be in use in conjunction with all of these you know the name or initial of the appropriate vijayanagara ruler on the obverse of the coin in short the vijayanagara rulers were wise enough to appropriate the designs and with it the connected legacy too and hence making the power transition much smoother while building their legitimacy by associating themselves with the names and motifs of the prior dynasties that still were held in utmost respect and also it was simply a pragmatic choice considering the fact that the new vijayanagara overlords didn't have to expend resources to roll out an entirely new currency which would have taken considerable time to be fully accepted just like any other modern currency so reusing an already recognizable and acceptable coinage from previous periods just made sense in many ways and more so because they came with the powerful advantage of the propaganda through association the famous and at times controversial south asian studies historian burton stein was of the view that the sangama dynasty initially exerted little direct political control and maintained only a ritual power over many parts of its empire wherein the imperial authority was more distributed and less centralized unlike the later vijayanagara eras however during this period the greatest ruler was regarded as the one who could attract or defeat the majority of his contemporaries and then retain them as subordinate allies as a exemplified by the importance given to the attendance of subordinates at the annual mahanavmi festival at hampi 
If you remember, we spoke at length about the Mahanami festival in one of the previous episodes. So, considering this supremacy and overlordship of the Vijayanagara rulers, they had clearly earned the right to appropriate many of the motifs, symbols and emblems or lanchanas of their vassals and other lesser rulers so that they could display it under the, its own official royal emblem. In short, this method of display of vassal emblems either on coinage or royal banners had long been an indicator of universal sovereignty. In this sense, in the south india or even in the north india identification and ranking by emblem had been accepted practice in much of india during the medieval period and this practice was also evident on coins and seals such as those of the cholas that periodically featured a pandya fish a chera bow the tiger of the cholas and the boar of the chalukyas under the umbrella of chola rule the retention of the symbols of many old dynasties in conjunction with unambiguous and unique signs confirming that each was now subject to vijayanagara's imperial authority can be seen as a demonstration of power over many of the subordinate rulers rather than signaling an inability to exert total control over these regions in this context it is interesting that the most common indication that an area had been brought under the sword of Vijayanagara was the appearance of a sword or dagger on an otherwise similar coin there are three possible explanations given by researchers for its appearance on these particular coins let's look at the first explanation so the one explanation was its appearance was purely coincidental as it was a universal metaphor for kingship at that time The next explanation was this word demonstrated continuity and authority to rule passed on by the previous dynasty associated with this symbol. This word features on many of the silver taras used in the environment of the capital during the first 150 years of the empire. But a prototype may be found on the pre-Vijayanagara coins of Kampili. If listeners remember the foundation series you will recollect the ashes of kampili episode and its connection with vijayanagara while we debunked the theory of harihara and bukka brothers working for kampiladeva prior to 1327 ce it's important to note that the sangama dynasty nevertheless seems to have appropriated the symbols of kampili and its powerful legacy even though it was a short-lived kingdom we already saw in the foundation series as to how sangama brothers had appropriated the hoysala legacy too and in light of that it's not too hard to comprehend that they chose to project the idea that their authority to rule came from their links with kampili as the chosen representatives of these dynasties the final explanation for this sword of vijayanagara appearing along with these other symbols on the coins was it signified the ruler's superior powers gained through his close relationship with a deity the mahanami festival involved various religious ceremonies that only the emperor could perform 
these centered around the local goddess a form of durga who at one stage presented the emperor with a sword and scepter to symbolize the authority she had given him to rule on earth hence the sangama dynasty rulers who had initially styled themselves mahamandaleshwara could transform themselves into devarajas or devarayas the earthly manifestations of the deity's power the possession of such excalibur like weaponry would have put the emperor in a spiritually unassailable position as regards any possible rivals and it would not be surprising if an image of this sword was used on coins as a metaphor for this dominance then we have the famous lanchana or emblem of vijayanagara the sword and the boar or varaha side by side with the sun and moon above them this was one of the major motifs denoting vijayanagara's dominance the interesting thing is this motif is very much similar to the chalukyan lanchana which had a varaha sun moon and a conch so the inspiration and the phenomenon of appropriating the symbolism for propaganda once again comes to the front it's important to mention that it was not until the late 16th century that coins bearing the lanchana of vijayanagara began to circulate nevertheless these were unimpressive small copper issues with the legend chalama tirumalaraya found in the jinji area of tamil nadu it's unlikely that these were issued by the royal mint and they were probably minted by a subordinate ruler in honor of the emperor after they had served their purpose previous dynastic emblems or lanchanas such as the lion emblem of the hoysalas and the boar of the chalukyas dagger of the kampili became divorced from their political context and degenerated into little more than abstract designs that served to identify the small gold phanams and silver chakrams in coastal south kannada kerala tamil nadu and sri lanka another persistent motif was that of the heroic figure most commonly encountered in this area in the form of hero stones also on gold coins dated as early as the 12th century There was a hoard of coins found by modern archaeologists between Ramadurg and Badami each coin depicting a warrior figure running towards his right bearing a sword in his hand the chalukyan ruler someshwara the 4th who ruled from 1181 to 1189 CE issued similar coins and bukka 1 of sangama dynasty and at least one of the hariharas reproduced an almost identical figure on their gold coins the heroic stance was also replicated on copper coins featuring hanuman that circulated in areas south of hampi this image is ubiquitous on boulders and temple pillars in the capital as nearby anagundi had long been associated with kishkinda the capital of vanarares Interestingly the predecessors of Chalukyas the mighty Kadambas too had employed Hanuman seated as a king on their gold coins hence Vijayanagara rulers might also have made visual allusions 
to their positions as inheritors and indeed superior to both the Kadambas and Chalukyas. Later, the image of Garuda too appears on copper coins in a similar pose. Vijayanagara can be considered as that one polity from India's medieval age that demonstrated an awareness of the propaganda value of the images chosen for their coins. Coins that advanced far beyond the rather simplistic devices that were used by the Cholas and other earlier dynasties. A good example of this is found in a coin of Devarayada II, who ruled from 1422 to 1446 CE. He was well known as a strategist and his Biruda was Gajaganda Berunda, hunter of elephants. It was both a reference to his love of the sport and a metaphor for his victory over the Gajapatis of Orissa. Further evidence for this manifested quite early in the capital. The pagoda and half pagoda coins naming Pratapa Harihara can be safely attributed to the period 1377 to 1404 CE when Harihara II was a ruler. The religious freedom evident from inscriptions and archaeological remains in the capital and by the taking of names such as Harihara by early rulers, Hari equating to Vishnu and Hara to Shiva, is further demonstrated by the fact that these coins come in three types. The deities being identified by their attributes as either Vishnu and Lakshmi, Shiva and Parvati or Brahma and Saraswati. It is well known that early Sangama rulers favored Advaita Shaivism personally and identified themselves strongly with the local deity Virupaksha to the extent that they signed themselves Sri Virupaksha on their grants. These coins not only serve as a reminder of the religious impartiality of the nascent empire but also suggest that their issuers were not interested in using religious symbolism to promote their form of Hinduism, but were more intent on using known Hindu symbols to define the character of their new empire. Despite the argument for Islamicization within the court of Vijayanagara, in areas such as dress and architecture, like we saw in the previous episodes, the coinage did not form part of this trend. There was a definite and conscious use of symbols from the lexicon of Hindu deities versus anything else. In the early 16th century, there was a marked advance in how the emblems on currency were utilized, which coincided with the rise of the Tulwa dynasty. And it was indicative of moves towards a centralized polity. It is known that deities from subjected areas were appropriated and rehoused in specially built temples at Hampi, such as that dedicated to the image of Balakrishna, captured from the Gajapatis at Udaygiri, Venkateshwara of Tirumalai in the Tiruvangalanada temple, the Maharashtran deity Vithoba at the Vithala temple, and Padmanabha of Trivandrum at nearby Hospet. 
Similarly, the dynastic emblems or lanchanas used to define previous independent rulers appeared on coins struck at the central mint. A religious icon embodied the spirit and power of a state. And as we have seen, it was closely linked to the legitimacy and very identity of its ruler. Therefore, this policy served to remove from the provinces the regional power and local loyalties that these symbols evoked and instead placed them firmly in the capital under the control of the emperor. The big shift in the use of iconography on coins was initiated after the Battle of Tallicotta in 1565 CE when the Nayakas put in place by the Tuluwa dynasty assumed a degree of independence. Certainly by the time of Venkatapati II who ruled from 1586 to 1614 CE Venkateshwar of Tirupati was not only the official deity of the Aravidu line but this deity's center of power at Tirumala Tirupati was associated with emanations of Vijayanagara authority from that later capital at Chandragiri His appearance on the gold pagoda and the half pagoda coins symbolized the continued authority of Vijayanagara in the region and the fact that subsequent rulers viewed this image as a visual metaphor for their authority to rule albeit gained from a somewhat mystical Vijayanagara of the past it is notable that the nayakas of madurai and tanjavur even when they might be considered to have gained autonomy never changed this design to reflect their own identity similarly the nayakas of both chitradurga and ikkeri retained the image and titles granted to them by the emperors of vijayanagara on their coins there were similar cases in tamil nadu too where in the local nayakas retained these motifs and images to suggest they held their right to reign as a gift from the vijayanagara emperor one very interesting design from the later period is that chosen for the coins of tirumalaraya who ruled from 1565 to 1578 ce the brother of aliya ramaraya after the fateful battle of tallikota when tirumalaraya took over the reins of power he used the imagery of ramayana the gold varahas issued by tirumalaraya depict the exile of rama sita and lakshmana experiencing a temporary reversal of fate in the wilderness but like the vijayanagara court anticipating a triumphal return to their capital someday when one looks at the larger patterns and trends one can observe that the early sangama dynasty's attitude to regional coinage could be taken as reflecting a lack of direct control however the retention of the symbols of many old dynasties in conjunction with unambiguous signs that each was not subject to vijayanagara such as this ford could be taken as an assertion of real power rather than merely a ritual form of authority the tuluwa dynasty is appropriation and reuse of lanchanas evoking the authority of the conquered states was a development of the political rhetoric of the medieval period 
a sort of logical extension of the more familiar practice of taking over the religious icons and regalia. The reuse of these on the coins of Vijayanagara announced that the subtle energies and power they represented were lost to the vanquished and were now redirected to the center to empower the Vijayanagara emperor. And their use in this context ensured that their old meaning could never be reclaimed. Their redistribution to favored Nayakas appointed to govern the regions suggests a sophisticated incorporative imperial policy as their use on coins in a way expressed tributary status and shared authority and hence marking new loyalties and ties to the imperial center. The fact that Vijayanagara's iconographic policies and royal motives were both understood and largely successful in maintaining tacit control over a huge area whose polities were perhaps impossible to govern otherwise is demonstrated by the fact that the successor states continued to use their given lanchanas or emblems to validate their own rule long after the fall of Vijayanagara as an empire. The Andhra Pradesh Government Museum has a good collection of Vijayanagara coins. The coins of the great Sri Krishna Devaraya can be, for example, classified on the basis of their designs that followed a theme. His coins had the images of Lord Venkateshwara, Shiva and Parvati, Balakrishna, a bull and the divine bird Garuda. It is hence very clear from the designs and themes found on the coins of Krishnadevaraya that he was under the influence of Vaishnavism. But he continued the Shiva Parvati type out of regard, which according to the philosophy of Panchamukhi was a family deity. Achyodaraya issued coins with the design of Gandabherunda, both in copper and gold. This is the same Gandabherunda that we saw in the last episode. And Sadasivaraya, his successor and the last Talova ruler, had leanings towards Shaivism. He revived the Garuda and Lakshmi Narayana designs on the coins. Whereas the rulers from the famous Aravidu dynasty were staunch Vaishnavites, as is evident from their family deity, Lord Venkateshwara of the Thirumala Tirupati. The designs that they used on their coins made this very obvious indeed. The images of Sri Rama, Conch and discus of Sri Mahavishnu, Garuda, Varaha, Elephant, Bull and Vishnu and Sri Lakshmi seated with the kings. The study of the reverse of a coin is as important as the obverse. The legend on a coin is particularly useful because it can throw some light on the name of the king who issued the coin in the language employed. It is interesting to note that the founders of the Vijayanagara Empire, Harihara I and Bukka I, had employed Kannada script for their legend on coins. The adoption of the Kannada language for their legend and lanchana of Hanuman and Garuda by the founders points to the fact that the family had greater affinities with the Kannada language and Karnataka where the Kadambas with the Hanuman flag and the Yadavas with Garuda emblem held sway over two centuries. 
gradually nagari script was substituted for kannada in coins during and after the reign of harihara 2 either way the usage of kannada on the first coins by the sangama rulers or the founders or the sangama brothers puts to rest any wild theories about the sangama brothers being of telugu origin like we saw in the foundation series and how we rebutted this whole theory about the telugu origin during then in those episodes once again if you haven't listened to the foundation series and the saga it contains you should check it out without fail and with this we shall end this episode and i sincerely hope the listeners enjoyed this episode on the coinage of vijayanagara and the importance of emblems and lanchanas that were used on them if you did like the episode please hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening a huge thank you for taking the time to listen to the show i hope to see you soon in the next episode till then this is narendra vikram your host and narrator signing off hope you have a great week ahead Thank you.